Our scripture comes today from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. And here the Apostle Paul writes, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes of them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of uh, them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one... There is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the the work of one and the same Spirit, And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body every one of them just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And he says, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And he goes into chapter 13, which is the well-known love chapter. The 
greatest way is love. We have all the gifts of the Spirit. We fill the church with people who are gifted. And the church is packed. And we don't have love. We have nothing. We have nothing without love. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. We live in an individualistic culture. Individualistic culture. In other words, we're very concerned about ourselves. I'm concerned about me. I want what I want for myself. I want what I like. I want my preferences to be met. My way. Me, me, me. And me. The world we live in. But disciples of Jesus are not called to be concerned for self, but others. Our lives are not to be lived with this focus upon what we want for ourselves. But as disciples of Jesus Christ, we're to be focused on loving the Lord and loving our neighbor. So we are to be concerned for others. Now don't get me wrong, you need to care for yourself. Within every church there are some people who don't know how to say no. These are the people who end up burning out. You need to take care of yourself. You have permission to say no. You have permission to work according to what you're gifted to do. You don't have to say yes to everything. Don't burn yourself out. Take care of yourself. But at the same time, each is called to be concerned for the needs of others. So we need to find balance between this hyper-individualism and this need to always say yes and to always be a people pleaser. We need to find some balance within that. So we're not called to be individualistic within the church. And I think that as we live here in an individualistic culture here in in North America, it's important to remember that no one is truly self-sufficient within society. And therefore, because nobody is truly self-sufficient within society, we shouldn't attempt to be self-sufficient within the church. For example, no one's self-sufficient within society. Most of us are not equipped to survive self-sufficiently. This year I grew tomatoes. I grew carrots. And I grew potatoes. But I didn't grow enough to feed my family for an entire year. You see, I'm dependent upon farmers. I'm dependent upon truckers. I'm dependent upon grocers. To put food on my table. So we live in an interdependent society. We should never think that, that we are purely individuals when we come into the church. But we need each other. We need the gifts that each offer in order for us to survive in this world spiritually. But if I did grow all the food that I needed for my family... If I lived on enough land to provide and be self-sufficient, to grow all of our food or to raise all of our food, I I would still find myself in need of others. 
For example, I, I probably would have survived, maybe I would have survived into my 20s without a doctor. But in my late 20s, I had an infection. And if it wasn't for a doctor, that infection would have killed me. You see, you can move out onto a piece of property in the wilderness. Certainly, you could probably grow your own food and and raise your own food and live very self-sufficiently. But eventually, you'll find yourself in need of someone else. That's the way society works. It is nearly impossible to survive without the help of others. So what makes us think that we can survive spiritually without the body of Christ? We need each other. I need the body of Christ. I need you for my survival. We need each other for our survival. Bill Bright gives the illustration of several logs in a fireplace. They burn brightly together and give warmth to everyone in the room. Separate one of the logs from the fire and set it on the cold hearth, and eventually that log will go out. It will provide no warmth for anyone in the room. So it is with those who are not living within the fellowship of believers. When we fail to live within the fellowship of God's church, we're like that log that is removed from a brightly burning fire that gives warmth to everyone in the room and we're set on the cold earth. Eventually that log goes out. So I need you, you need me, we need one another. No lone rangers within the church. I think even the lone ranger had who? Tonto, yeah. He was put into some bad situations, wasn't he? Yeah. I need you. I, you need me. We need each other's gifts and abilities. So you see, God has chosen to work through a body of disciples to deliver his gifts to each other so that we can be strengthened as a church. You see, the Holy Spirit has given to every believer a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability to serve others for the benefit of the church, for the benefit of the church, and for the mission of the church. So don't neglect that ability, that gift that God has given to you. So we have the church. It's a gift for us. It's a precious resource for us. It's for our spiritual survival. We need each other within the body of Christ. But we're not merely to be focused inward on the church. We're also to be focused outward. So we have an inward focus where we are to care for one another. All of us are involved in caring for each other. But we're also given an outward focus, a mission to our community. And without the gifts of every believer working together in unity, we cannot fulfill the mission which Christ has given to us. And what is the mission that Christ has given to us? It's the purpose of the church. Well, Jesus gave us the purpose of the church. He said, go and make disciples. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And he says, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So together as the body of Christ, we are called not only to care for one another, as an interdependent community, we're also called into God's great missionary task. You see, Jesus is on a mission. He's working within the body of Christ, but he's also on a mission within our world. And we're called to join Jesus in his mission. So how do we do this? How do we join Jesus on his mission? Number one, by going. Jesus says, go into all the world. We cannot make disciples by never going to those who have not heard. We engage in this missionary task by meeting people who don't know Jesus, befriending people who don't know Jesus, getting to know them, listening to them, learning their struggles, learning about their pain, learning about their joy, learning about what they value, showing that we care about them. See, they're never going to listen to the message of the gospel if we just go up to them with a Bible and start preaching. Rarely works. Rarely works. But when we engage in friendships within our community, we have an opportunity to be heard. Then we can share the life that has been given to us in Jesus. Just ask any missionary who works on any foreign field, whether it's Asia or Africa. They spend a lot of time getting to know the people to whom they are called to proclaim the gospel. So we do this by going to people, getting to know people. I know a number of you are, uh, have used or are using maybe right now, I know the life group that I'm in, we're going through the book, Joining Jesus in His Mission. And it really is probably one of the best books I've ever read on what it means to uh, get to know your neighbors, get to know people within your community and being friends to them before we are preachers at them. Befriending people and sharing the gospel with people. You see, they'll never believe unless they hear the message. And so we do need to share too. And it's so important that we share the message. Because if they never hear uh, the message, then they can never believe. The only way they will hear the message is someone is sent to speak about Jesus. So we befriend people. Not with ulterior motives. But just because it's the natural outflow of our heart. To say, this is what I believe. And this is what I value in life. This is what is truly meaningful to me. It's Jesus. So we accomplish our mission by going. We go into our world. And we can be a support to each other in our going. We can pray for each other here. Or in small groups or in Bible studies. We can share within, within our small groups. And if you're not a part of a small group or a life group or a Bible study, I encourage you to get, get involved in one. Because there it you can share. You know, there, there's somebody in my life that I care about. And I'd like to pray for this person. So we need each other. We need each other for the mission. So how do we do this? By going, and then number two, by baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Why do we baptize? Why is baptism so important? Well, I have a number of scriptures for you. We'll just let scripture explain the importance of baptism. Galatians 3, 26 and 27. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. That's who you are. You're a child of God through faith. Then he says in verse 27, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. So in baptism, we are clothed with Christ. We're clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Those of you who believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, those of you who were baptized, you can know without a shadow of a doubt that He doesn't see your sins anymore. He doesn't see your failure. He doesn't see all of the messes that you've made in life. But He sees the very righteousness of Christ. You are a child of God, baptized into Him and clothed in Him. Romans 6, 3 and 4 says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. A new life comes through baptism. We believe that, that in baptism... A person is buried with Christ. We also believe that in baptism, a person is raised with Christ to live a new life. You see, we do not believe that baptism is a symbolic expression. We don't believe that. We believe baptism accomplishes exactly what the Bible says that it accomplishes. Baptism is not a good work that we do for God. Rather, baptism is a good work that God does for you. He clothes you in Christ. He joins you to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He makes you a new creation in Him. Not a good work that we do, but a good work that He does by water and the Word. So know today that you are clothed in Christ. Know that you are a partaker in the finished work of Jesus. You have died with Christ. And you are risen with Christ. That's why baptism is so important. We baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because Jesus said that's your mission. And it's the means by which a person is joined to me. If you have not been baptized, today is the day. Don't delay. The baptismal font is always available. To you. The apostles declare, believe and be baptized. So we go, we baptize, and then we teach. So number three is by teaching to obey everything Jesus has commanded. Remember that, that in Christ you're now a new creation. The apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 6, that through baptism you, you died with Christ and you were raised with Christ. 
You've been raised to live a new life in him. So we're called to teach people to obey everything Jesus has commanded. You see, we, we don't teach people to obey so that they can earn God's salvation. We teach people to obey because obedience to Jesus' commands is the full and free expression of those filled with his love and his salvation. We can't help but obey. Because we are so filled with gratitude for what Jesus has done for us. We obey because we are free in the forgiveness of sins. We are free by the death and resurrection of Jesus. You can't earn his love. You can't earn his salvation. It's given as a gift. So I ask you, have you received this gift today? You see, every day it's, it's something I need to receive. Some people just look at this event in the past. Well, maybe at, at Bible camp or during a church service, I came forward, I knelt, and I received Christ as my Savior. That's just great. It's terrific. We, we rejoice in that. We rejoice that you came to Jesus and that you were saved. But, but that's something that I need to remember every day is that I need to just let go. Need to let go of everything in my life. And say, Lord, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my King. And I want you to be my Savior. And we can come to Jesus every day in His grace and in His mercy. And receive Him afresh and anew. It's not because we lost our salvation. It's not because we've, uh, we've come to some point where we're now condemned. Oh no. We receive Christ every day because he receives us in love every day. So have you received this gift of salvation? Maybe for you it's the first time. John 6, 28 and 29. The disciples asked Jesus, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Well, Jesus says in John 6, 28 and 29... Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? You might think, well, in order to do the works that God requires, uh, we need to do all of these different things. We, there's a bunch of hoops that we need to jump through. Uh, there's a bunch of religious requirements that we need to do. But Jesus answered, the work of God is this. To what? Believe. Believe. Believe in the one he has sent. Believe on the Lord Jesus. Same similar thing happened at the birthday of the church and the, the first sermon of the church on uh, the, the, the very first Pentecost Sunday of, of the Christian church in Acts chapter 2, 37 and 39. Peter preached a message. The Holy Spirit fell upon the church. They were filled with power. They went out and they proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the people heard this message from Peter's lips. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? You would think, well, there, there must be some sort of a, of a work that you have to do. You have to be obedient maybe to some sort of a commandment. 
uh, or, or you have to, to maybe go to church and take a special class. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the others, brother, other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, what? Repent. Repent and what? Be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for what? The forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 39 it says, the promise is for you and who? Your children. The children. Jesus says, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. And for who? All who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. Do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today? Have you been baptized? This invitation is for you. It's for me. I don't need to be baptized again. Right? But I can remember the promise that God delivers to me in baptism. I can remember that I have been joined to the death and resurrection of Jesus. I can let all my sins go. Yeah, I've messed up. I've sinned. But I don't need to hold on to that guilt. I don't need to hold on to that shame. I let go of it. And I say, Lord, thank you. Thank you that I am forgiven. I am clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. So church, you don't need to try to save yourself. You don't need to try to save yourself from the judgment that you deserve for your sin. You, you can't save yourself. God in his amazing grace freely forgives you of all of your sins. And today as a baptized child of our Lord and Savior, you are clothed in Christ. You are alive in Christ. You are loved and forgiven in Christ. There is nothing that you can do to add to this reality. You can't do anything to make this more real. Nor is there anything that you can do to... To make God say, you know, I don't like, like him anymore. I don't like her anymore. Because she really screwed up or he really screwed up. No. Depend upon Jesus. Trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And find freedom in him. Freedom. Not to do whatever you want. But freedom. To walk in obedience with Christ. So my prayer is that you are a free people, free in Christ, walking with him, living in him, serving him, not just being concerned about me, 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 and me, not living as, as an individualistic person that's only concerned about my own wants, my own desires, but free in Christ to love the Lord my God. Free in Christ to love my neighbor as myself. Then and only then will you find joy, power, and meaning. In Christ, you will only find joy, power, and meaning in your service to him, your service to one another, and your service to this world. Keep your eyes on Jesus, church.
Keep your eyes on his love. Keep your eyes on what he accomplished for you. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We give you thanks and we give you praise for the great gifts that you've given to us. Lord, uh, we, we cannot help but think of this great gift of baptism. You made a promise to us in baptism. Thank you for that promise. Lord, we, we can't help but think of Jesus ultimately that makes baptism meaningful. It's his death, his resurrection for us. Thank you for that, Lord. And Lord, I pray that we would stand now as a congregation in unity, lifting our voices before you in praise and thanksgiving for who you are and for what you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand as a congregation today in the unity of the Holy Spirit and let us sing together, open up.